This episode contains mature content and may not be suitable for all ears. Access more. Your heart doesn't always want to move in the right direction. So how do you lead it where it doesn't want to go? Well, you lead it with gratitude. More on how to do that in this week's episode of Dreamers and Disciples. Welcome to the podcast today. My name is Wade Joy, and I'm really grateful that you're here. Uh, It means a lot to me that you tune in, whether this is your first time listening or you've been with me for every single episode. I just want to say welcome. Uh, I think today's episode is going to be really encouraging for you. And I've got something really cool to tell you about right at the beginning, because when you tune into a podcast, it's usually just a one-way conversation. You're just hearing from me. But now... I can hear from you. I want to hear your voice. You can go to my podcast page, which I'll link in the show notes. It's found at accessmore.com, but you can get there, like I said, go into the show notes or go to wadejoy.com and click on the podcast link, and it'll take you right there to the page. And on the right-hand side of that podcast page, you're going to see something that says, talk to us, send a voice message to the show. So you can send me a voice message uh, asking a question or sharing something that's really meant a lot to you from the podcast. And I'm going to start answering some of those questions uh, on the show. I might share something that that you've mentioned was really powerful or a testimony of how God moved in your life, but I want to hear from you. So once again, go to the podcast page that I'll link in the show notes and on the right, click on the Talk to Us link and send me a voice message. I want to hear from you. And so now that that's been said, let's, let's get right into what I want to talk about today. And I want to start with this question. I want you to think about best piece of advice that you've ever received? What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Maybe it was about, um, you know, how how to ask a girl out um, and not look like a fool when you do it. Maybe it was about marriage. Maybe it was about uh, parenting. I actually typed in good advice in Google just now to see what came up. And the first thing I saw was an image with this quote, and this is the advice. Whatever you do, always give 100% unless you're donating blood, which I I guess I think that's pretty good advice. Um, But you don't have to go honestly that far to find just an overwhelming amount of advice from people. Just hop on Instagram, go to TikTok, go to Facebook, talk to your friends. Everyone has a lot of opinions on how life is meant to be lived. And it's usually directed at someone other than themselves. Because uh, we love to give advice. We don't always love to receive advice or to do what someone is counseling and advising us to do. But in the middle of all the noise, there can actually be some moments where God speaks to you through the wisdom of someone else. And it it really resonates. It stops you in your tracks. It, it can become a stake in the ground type moment where everything in your life is reframed. And I want to tell you about one of those moments for me. And I want to pass on this piece of advice, because it's really, really helped me over the last 10 or so years. And I don't know if this is like the all-time best advice I've ever received, but it's definitely close to the top of the list. And it's helped me not only as a disciple in following Jesus, but also as a dreamer. Uh, Because a lot of times when you have a dream in your heart, uh, your reality often doesn't meet up with your expectation for that dream. 
Sometimes the dream's not happening as fast as you want it to happen. So you get impatient, you get frustrated. Uh, Sometimes other people are living in your dream and envy or jealousy can get a foothold. Uh, Many times you just get discouraged or disappointed. Or you actually might get your dream and you begin to forget God in your success. You begin to struggle with pride. You begin to struggle with thinking it was your strength that got you there. And, And I think this one piece of advice. It covers all of those scenarios, Uh, so I know I'm building it up a lot. Uh, So let's get down to it. So this was about 10 years ago, and I was was struggling. This is when I was a worship pastor at Elevation Church, and I was struggling with seeing other worship leaders living in the dream that I had uh, while those dreams remained out of reach for me. And so these were people that I was leading, that I was serving alongside, and, and I really wanted them to enjoy what they were getting to experience, but... I felt like I was missing out. I wanted to enjoy it too. And so I had this random opportunity, which I guess in the Lord's eyes wasn't very random, uh, to sit down at lunch with a mentor of mine uh, who had been through a lot of the similar, a lot of similar circumstances. And I just I wanted to get some wisdom from him and ask him how did he navigate just the similar tension in life and ministry and calling and dreams, and how did he actually get through this and still be content and still have joy. And so this is what he told me. He said, commit to always being ruthless about making the right heart choice. You know, when I'm asking him, how did you do it? His advice to me was be ruthless about making the right heart choice. That is the piece of advice that I've gone back to time and time and time again, not just in ministry, but in, in life and in relationships and in the internal struggles that I process, I want to be ruthless about making the right heart choice. So let's dissect that a little bit. Because ruthless kind of feels pretty aggressive, especially if we're talking about, you know, how to have a heart that follows after God, that does the right thing. Because usually we think of that as being a heart that is that is loving, that is kind, that is peaceful. We don't think about being ruthless. Um, but I think the point he was trying to make is actually a very important one. So if you look up ruthless in the dictionary, it means without mercy or compassion. So why should you be ruthless about anything with your heart? Well, I think it's actually the necessary word if we're going to experience the transformation our hearts need as followers of Jesus. And I think it's a biblical approach because Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So Proverbs 4 is telling us that at the top of our priority list, with as much intensity as we can bring to bear, that we are to guard our hearts. It's of utmost priority, for it's the source of everything that we do. So we have to be ruthless and have no mercy uh, towards anything that is attacking our heart, that is uh, an excuse that is trying to, to... to break down the walls that that keep our hearts flourishing and keep our hearts growing and keep our hearts healthy. So we have to make sure that we are ruthless about making the right heart choice. That tells me that we can't be passive about what is happening in our heart. And that's not just an Old Testament proverb either. Paul is equally as serious about how we approach our heart when it gets out of alignment, when it gets out of bounds. Galatians 5, uh, verses 16 through 26, is really important. So this is a bit 
a larger chunk of scripture than I normally read, but it's important. So I want you to do your best to follow me here. So starting with verse 16, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not uh, to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, uh, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, and let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. All right, so what is Paul telling us to do here? First of all, I like how Paul says the acts of the flesh are obvious in verse 19. And the list starts out pretty obvious. You know, he says sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. I think all those um, are pretty obvious to everyone that they're, they're acts of the flesh. But then you start getting into hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and factions, and envy, and, and drunkenness, and things like that. And I think it's easy to see how some of those acts of the flesh, some of those sins are easier to hide. They're easier to fly under the radar. We know to be ruthless about making the right heart choice about the things that we have all agreed on. Those are sin. But then they're the sins that we tend to give our hearts a pass on. And Paul is saying, no, you've got to be ruthless about, um, about putting those to death, about crucifying those as well so that the fruit of the Spirit can come to bear in your life. So we need to be ruthless about getting rid of all of those things and creating space for God to form the fruits of the Spirit in us. So you and I were saved by grace through faith in a moment, but it's worked out over a lifetime as the Holy Spirit conforms you and me to the image of Christ. That's what the Bible calls sanctification. And that requires a daily crucifying of your, of your flesh, or as Jesus talked about, of taking up your cross. And so doing that is often moving away from what your heart wants to do and doing what Christ has called you to do instead and wants to form in you. And so this whole podcast, all the spiritual rhythms we've talked about are designed to position our hearts in a posture of transformation, in a posture of taking up our cross, of crucifying the flesh, and then allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us, to do as Paul says in verse 25, where he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So let's get back now to that piece of advice, laying that foundation. Be ruthless about making the right heart choice. Be ruthless about making the right heart choice. See, ruthless shows the intensity we need to bring towards living in step with the Spirit. We have to be ruthless about making the right heart choice because that is how we walk in step with the Spirit, often against the things that we want to do in the moment. So we have to um, with all intensity, with all intentionality, that's what being ruthless is talking about. We have to decide that we want to walk in step with the Spirit of God and what He wants to produce in our lives. So that means choosing trust over manipulation. That means choosing blessing 
someone over envying them. That means choosing to encourage others instead of getting entitled. That means choosing a generous lifestyle over hoarding your resources and greed. That means choosing to believe what is true versus what seems good in your own eyes right now. So that's what what making the right heart choice looks like. That's what walking in step with the Spirit looks like, letting the, the fruits of the Spirit become more and more evident in our lives as God grows that in our hearts. So how do we do that? That's the we we I think we can all agree we want to get there. We want to do that. How do we do that? How do we ruthlessly make the right heart choice? How do we keep in step with the Spirit? How do we guard our hearts so that the fruits of the Spirit flow out, so that life flows out? Um, let me share with you, as I've pondered over this uh, for years and years, the number one way I've found to be ruthless about making the right heart choice is simply this. It's gratitude. Gratitude helps me ruthlessly make the right heart choice. Gratitude helps me walk in step with the Spirit. It positions my heart for the fruits of the Spirit to be formed in me, and specifically gratitude to Jesus, because gratitude changes everything. And let me give you a real uh, example from my life. So I've told you before that I have have three daughters, but um, two of them are twins. They're 14 right now, but I remember uh, their eighth birthday. And their birthday is always a day of celebration for our family, um, both because of the normal reasons that you celebrate a birthday, but also because we look back at the miracle that is their story. Because when they were born uh, in 2008, uh, our twins were born three months premature at 27 weeks. Uh, Liana was one pound, 14 ounces. Adley was uh, two pounds, five ounces. And... The doctors didn't give either one of them much hope of surviving. And so they were in the NICU for about three months. And about three days into their stay, three days after they were born, Liana was diagnosed with a grade four brain bleed. And I remember when the doctors called Ferris and I uh, to talk with them, and they told us about the brain bleed. They said, this is the worst brain bleed we've ever seen. Uh, They said that you know she most likely will never walk, will never talk, will never get out of diapers. They used the word vegetable. And they said, you should consider taking her off life support because I'm not sure if there's much we can do for her. I want you to imagine hearing those words as parents. Um, Honestly, there wasn't much that we could find to be grateful for in that moment. We were devastated. We were shocked. We were frustrated. We were angry. We were scared. But we committed to, to pray for our daughters and to trust God with them and like I said, it was an up and down road over those three months in the hospital, but eventually the twins came home within a day of each other, and Liana did end up having to get a shunt. She had some lung um, issues. Adley had some heart issues, uh, but God did a miracle in their lives, and now 14 years later, they're doing everything the doctor said they would never do. They are living, breathing, walking, talking miracles. They are daily reminders of the goodness of God, daily reminders of the faithfulness of God. Um, But Liana has had some struggles and some health issues that she's continued to deal with. Adley, you know, a couple years, um, I think around when she was three or four, she ended up having a heart surgery that um, cleared up the issue that she was dealing with. 
And so you wouldn't um, see any of the struggles that she currently has. But Liana, because of her brain bleed, she has weakness on her right side. She has something called hemiparesis, which is a mild form of cerebral palsy. And so she has weakness on her right side. It's harder for her to use fine motor skills with her right hand. Um, she has tightness in her right leg. She had to wear a brace for years. Now she has to wear something called a walk aid. Most people would never know if they, if they weren't intently looking, um, but there are some residual effects of what happened to her when she was born. And so this brings me back to her eighth birthday. I remember I was sitting on the back porch and I was watching all the kids run. And so Adley was running and this mob of kids were running and they were starting to go further and further away from Liana who couldn't keep up because of her leg brace. And I remember just as a dad, my heart breaking for her because I was watching all these kids run without any kind of difficulty, without any kind of, of obstacle uh, to their running. And I was watching Liana do her best just to keep up. And I began to have one of those um, conversations with God in my head where I was like, God, why, why, does, why does it have to be like this for Liana? Why can't she do the things her friends can do? Why is it so hard for her to put on her shoes? Why is it so hard for her? And I just kind of went down the list. And as I was having that conversation with God, I felt like the Lord said, you realize she wasn't even supposed to be here right now. So she was actually living and running. She was running, might not have been running as fast as the other kids, but she was running and she was right there living out a miracle in front of my eyes. And that miracle had become common to me. I was watching the answer to my prayers, but I no longer felt the gratitude to God for what he did in their lives. And it had, had waned and leaked slowly and slowly and slowly. So now I was complaining about something that God had done in their lives when he had answered a prayer and he had done a miracle. And at that moment, I realized that gratitude, it's, it's one of the most important fuels for our soul as believers, as followers of Christ, because if we can stay in a posture of gratitude, then we can stay in a posture of keeping in step with the Spirit of God. But when we lose our gratitude, everything else starts to be affected. See, when my gratitude is high, so is my awareness of God at work in my life. When I'm more aware of God at work, I want to keep in step with Him and step with the Spirit. But when my gratitude is low, my vision gets blurry and I can't see how God's moving. I can't see how God is leading me. I can't see clearly what he's done. And then I can't make the right heart choice. See, gratitude is meant to be the basis of the life of faith. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, whatever we do, it's meant to be done in a spirit of gratitude, in a spirit of giving thanks to Jesus. I love how uh, Psalm 103.2 says uh, this in the New Living Translation, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. May I never forget the good things he does for me. See, gratitude is tied to remembering. Gratitude is tied to remembering, but not just remembering the past. It's remembering to be on the lookout in the present for God's goodness. See, I used to always think um, gratitude was what was in the in the past tense, that I was remembering the good things God did for me. But this verse says it's remembering the good things He does for me, never forgetting the good things He does for me. So I need to realize that God's goodness is in the present tense. I need to actively look for His goodness in the present. 
See, I want to live expecting God to work on my behalf. I want to believe that He is for me. Uh, if the evidence of His faithfulness is all around us, then we should be on the lookout for examples throughout the day. And I love uh, one of the things that Pastor Craig Rochelle says. He says, grateful people can find a blessing, enlarge a blessing, or create a blessing in almost any situation. So gratitude reminds us of God's goodness in all tenses, past, present, and future. And when we have eyes to see His goodness in the past, present, and future, then we have eyes to see the blessings that are all around us. And so gratitude is tied to remembering. And I want to give you just three things that that gratitude helps us to remember, three things that gratitude reminds us of. Uh, Number one, gratitude reminds us of God's true heart towards us. Gratitude reminds us of God's true heart towards us. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, Romans 5.8 says, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is his heart for you. He has poured out his love into your life that while you were still a sinner, before you did anything um, remotely to indicate your love for God, he was displaying his love for you through the cross. That's his heart towards you. No matter what your circumstances say, that is the heart of God towards you. Gratitude also reminds us of the new heart God has given us. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Um, We've been given a new heart by God. You are not not walking around controlled by sin anymore. You have been set free from your sin. That is good news to be grateful for. Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. God has given you a new heart. He has set you free from the law of sin and death, and he has empowered you through his Holy Spirit to make the right heart choice, and that flows from gratitude. And then the third thing that gratitude reminds you of is gratitude reminds us of what is actually real. Gratitude reminds us of what is actually real. See, It causes you to step back and assess the reality of your situation beyond the emotions you're feeling in the moment. And that's exactly what happened to me at that eighth grade birthday party. I was in my emotions, I was in my feelings, and I wasn't seeing correctly. I wasn't seeing reality for what it is. And and the Holy Spirit gave me a reminder of His faithfulness and the miracles He had done, and He gave me a heart of gratitude that reframed everything. And even though I didn't feel it in that moment, gratitude isn't confined to just an emotion. You can be grateful even when you don't feel grateful because gratitude is a perspective. Gratitude is a lens to process every other emotion through. Gratitude is how you take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ so you can see how He sees your life, so you can see through God's vantage point. You see, the oldest tactic of the enemy goes all the way back to Genesis uh, when he got Adam and Eve to lose their gratitude and then cause them to no longer see the reality of the command that God had given them. See, they stopped seeing the goodness and vastness of the garden God gave them to enjoy and instead saw a restriction that withheld something from them that they wanted. The enemy caused them to lose their gratitude, to lose their grip on reality. And so a lack of gratitude leads to a heart of rebellion. Romans 121 says, For although they knew God, 
They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. They lost their gratitude and then their hearts were darkened. But gratitude can bring light to our hearts. It can take a heart of rebellion and lead it back into a heart of worship. Gratitude can take a heart of rebellion, that Genesis Garden of Eden heart that rebelled against the Lord, and it can lead it back into a heart of worship because gratitude can lead you to make the right heart choice through the power of the Holy Spirit by seeing what Jesus did for us on the cross to see what God has so lavishly poured out into our lives. Gratitude is the key. So in closing, I just want to give you two simple ways that we cultivate gratitude in our family, and maybe you can find something uh, that, that you can take away from this to cultivate gratitude in your own life. So one of the things that we prayed for all three of our daughters uh, when they uh, were still in the womb uh, was that they would be full of joy and laughter. We prayed every day that they'd be full of joy and laughter. And there were many days when they were in the hospital, the twins were in the hospital. And then Sydney, my youngest daughter, um, she has cystic fibrosis and she was in the NICU for five weeks. And with all three of our girls, there were days where we weren't sure they would ever laugh at all. Um, and now seeing the miracle though that God has done in their lives and seeing how our house is full of joy and laughter, it is an answered prayer every single day. One small thing we do to remind us to be grateful for how God answered those prayers is by keeping something called the funny list. Uh, it's an Evernote file. If you use Evernote, you could use notes on your phone, whatever. But we have a, an Evernote file called the funny list, and we have a, a section for Adley, for Liana, for Sydney, for me, for Ferris. And anytime someone does something funny that we want to remember, we write it down on the funny list. Or maybe we're coming back from a family vacation and we want to make sure we don't forget some of the good memories because we're prone to forgetting and a lack of remembering leads to a lack of gratitude. And so we want to remember how God has answered the prayer to fill our home with joy and laughter through our girls. And so we just write down anything that's said in the car that's funny, we'll say, hey, put that on the funny list. Um, and so every now and then we'll just go through and we'll read the funny list. And not only are we just laughing, remembering some of the silly things we've done or said, but it reminds us of what God has done. It fills our hearts with gratitude. So what is your version of the funny list? So that's one thing that we do. Another thing that we do is my wife and I, on, on a lot of nights, we'll pray through this prayer called the Examine. And we do it through Lectio 365. It's an app I've talked about before here. It's a guided prayer app. There's a morning prayer and a night prayer. And the night prayer is based on something called the Examine, which has been a, a prayer focus for centuries in the church where you take stock of your day and you try to think through the moments where you felt God most present. God is always present, but where did you see him at work the most? And it causes you to help close the chapter of your day with gratitude of remembering the small moments where God was at work. A lot of times we can celebrate the big moments, but we overlook the small moments. And your life is full of small moments of God's faithfulness. So can you find a rhythm at the end of your day to foster gratitude? So you can just do a Google search for the prayer of examine. I'll, I'll link something in the show notes with that. I'll also link like the 365 because they lead you every night through a prayer of examine. But the point is this, if you want to make and be ruthless about making the right heart choice in your life, you've got to make sure your heart is full of gratitude. 
because that will make sure you see clearly and you can see your life from God's perspective and that you can open your heart to what the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to do and the way he wants to empower you to live. But gratitude is central, it is key, it is vital, and it is necessary to make that right heart choice. So be grateful today. I want you to, as you you know, press stop on this podcast, I want you to stop and just try to find one minute of silence, two minutes of silence, whatever you can afford right now, and just say, God, bring to mind the ways that you're at work in my life. May I ne- Maybe you want to pray Psalm uh, 103:2. May I never forget the good things he does for me. And then ask God to open your eyes to what he is doing in your life right now. And if you can't think of anything else, just focus on the cross and the resurrection because that is how God demonstrated his love for you. And that is the foundation for all of our gratitude. All right. Well, thank you for joining me today for this podcast. Uh, I really hope it was encouraging to you. And I can't wait to see you back here next week. Also, I just want to encourage you, subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And then if this episode really meant a lot to you, I would really appreciate it if you shared it by text, on social media, however you want to get the word out. It would mean a lot. All right. I'll see you back here next week for Dreamers and Disciples.